The host of this show, Max Naist, lived in addiction for years and made lots of destructive choices, which resulted in losing friends, family, and his career. After being in jail for the fourth time, he knew he needed to make some big changes. Now, sober for 17 years, he shares the steps he took, which led to recovery and got his life back. Welcome to Fearless Happiness. 19.7 million American adults have battled a substance use disorder. 38% of adults have battled an illicit drug use disorder. But no matter what the struggle, no matter the challenge, you can overcome anything and become successful. Max and his guests share experience, strength, hope, and faith. If it's PTSD or military-related, trauma, physical, verbal, sexual addiction, alcoholism, you can accomplish your dreams. And with this show, we help others be fearless in their pursuit of happiness. This is Fearless Happiness, and this is Max Naist. Welcome to the show. I have an amazing guest today who is an author. I like to have my guests introduce themselves, Jared. So let the audience know who you are, exactly what you do, and then we're just going to have a good time today. Awesome. Max, so great to be here. Uh, my name is Jared Carroll, and I am in Oakland, California. I always like to give a shout out to Oakland. <laughs> and gosh, what do I do? So many things I do, Max, but I think you know, professionally, what I do is I drive conversations. Um, I'm a white guy. I talk about racism. I talk about other uh, uncomfortable conversations, topics that a lot of people don't like to talk about, don't know how to talk about. Maybe they want to talk about it, but they don't know how to do it. So my work is really bringing uh, people together, especially white people um, who have a lot of privilege, have a lot of uh, history of not being part of these conversations, bring them together as a facilitator, as a coach, as a speaker, um, as a panel moderator, really like, you know, how can I use my voice, my experiences, my story to inspire and motivate others to be uh, part of the conversation? And so, of course, where would that lead me to? Well, it would lead me to writing a book, right? So I've written a book. It's coming out uh, real soon, November 15th, called uh, A White Guy Confronting Racism, An Invitation to Reflect and Act. So I'm really looking forward to that. Obviously, my first, uh, my first published book. And we'll see. Uh, I hope that keeps driving the conversation and and uh, perpetuates, you know, my mission to uh, to bring more humanity to the world. You know, and I think Mark that our Jared, excuse me, Mark, you just brought somebody's name to mind when we we're talking about racism and stuff like that, right? And I think we've all been affected by it somehow, some way. And it's good that we have someone like yourself who just who's gonna because there's a lot of people that don't want to talk about it, you know, yes, and sir. they want to they want to sweep that stuff under the rug. And I've had like reverse racism kind of happened to me when I was in the service in the Navy in Long Beach, right? I, I worked with this guy, you know, black gentleman, and we were, we got along great. We, we got along great. And I remember him inviting me into a party, right? At, on base in one of the dorms. And I walked in and, and I remembered them. Like, it's like the party stop. And as you can tell, like, I, I'm not a white guy, but I'm not dark skinned, right? I'm tan. And they just looked at me and they asked him like, what, why did you bring this guy? I felt like Wow. Like I've never, that was like the first time I really ever experienced something like that was when they looked at me, like, why did you bring this guy here? Like mm. he doesn't belong here. 
And I was just, you know, I was 18, 19, maybe 20 years old. And I'm like, I just want to have a couple of drinks, have some fun. You know what I mean? Like, but it really, I would, when I left, it affected me. I was like, wow, I've never experienced stuff like that. And um, so, I mean, we see it in the news all the time, Jared. You know, there's stuff, there's people trying to, to divide us as a human race which is sad. Like, cause I get along with everybody. I always have, like even back in high school and even during my addiction, you know, I could tell you it didn't matter. Right. The only thing that mattered is that if you had the drugs, I, you were my best friend, if you know what I mean, <laughs> until I learned that's not cool. But, but you get what I'm saying that I, I've never been raised in an environment where like my mom or parents or anybody said, Oh, you know, they're not the same colors as so don't bring them over to the house or whatever the case may be. My mom was one of the most kindest, loving people you ever met. And so I, I learned, you know, I just learned that I had to get along with everybody or try to at least and, and treat everybody yeah. with respect. Right. So yeah. so tell me, like, what brought you to this mission to write a book, you know, a white guy confronting yeah. race, you know, that's going to confront racism. Totally. No, thank you for sharing some of your stories. Um, and, you know, it's interesting that this really what we're talking about, and this is what black folks and other people of color really, they know, you know, just because they live it day to day. We're talking about the difference between prejudice, like individual prejudices that, that anyone can have uh, against any other person or any other group. And then right. racism as a systemic, institutional, historic uh, you know, thing that is based on power, based on uh, privilege, based on this idea of supremacy, which sounds like, oh my gosh, white supremacy, like KKK, Nazis, you know, yes, that, but really it's this idea that who has, who, who has, who has the power, what, what groups of people have the power in organizations, in government, in media, all these places, and how are they subtly, um, or not so subtly, and there's a, there's a range, uh, perpetuating these myths, these myths of superiority, as you said, this divisiveness. So, you know, this idea of, of reverse racism, I would argue it's kind of not really a thing. There's prejudice against anyone from anyone, but this idea of, of does any group of people other than white people really have the systemic power to, uh, to shape laws and policies and cultural norms? And really on a large scale, not really. So my journey actually became, became or began, um, gosh, I mean, really it began when I was like 14 when my dad told me he was gay. So I was in San Diego, here, here neck of the woods. I was flying up to San Francisco where he lived and I'm a freshman in high school. You know, I'm just doing my thing and riding my bike and playing soccer. And, and he says, uh, hey, you know, Jared, I love you and had a good weekend with you. Oh, and by the way, I'm gay. What? You know, this is, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, close to your age. This is late 80s. There's a ton of stigma. So anyway, that, that, um, that time in my life, I wasn't ready to have a gay dad. And so I hid it. I covered for all the way through high school, about halfway through college until I told a friend, I said, hey, yeah, my dad's gay. And she's like, big, big freaking deal. You can cuss on here. That's all right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> she said, big fucking deal. I'm like, really? She's like, yeah, who cares? So it really opened this world to me. And what I started to realize in my 20s as I got out of college, I was a college athlete. You know, I was drinking all the time. Yeah. Um, and so I had this this image, this reputation to uphold and that didn't, that didn't include having a gay dad. And as I started realizing what I was missing with the relationship with my father, with the LGBT community, I started realizing like, man, I don't have any black friends. I don't have any diversity in my life at all. 
really. It was all just white. And so as I got in my 20s and I graduated college, I started to be more interested in like, what am I missing? But I didn't really know how to go about it. And then when my dad died uh, uh, in 2000, actually just as we're recording this just last week, um, he died September 29th, 2000. And you know, I was 27 and I said, you know, I don't wanna be that guy anymore. I wanna, I wanna be the guy who cares, who drives conversations, who's really interested, who shapes uh, and influences communities and relationships and really tries to level the playing field right like who's not having who doesn't have access to opportunity who uh isn't involved in decision making who um, are dominating the conversations and the narrative and so you know that was that was the origin that was 21 years ago and i've you know i'm sure we'll get into some of the details but i've been a teacher i've been a writer i've been a coach i've worked in corporate and startup and nonprofit and all these different uh, places but really the driver is you know there's there's humanity out there that I want to see, that I want to be part of, that um, that I want to bring out in myself, in other people, and in, and in each other. Right. I, I couldn't see, and this is what my whole my whole the reason I did start the podcast. Right in the beginning, it was to in my head, it was like okay, I had nothing more about stigmas. Right. So I was gonna like I'm gonna bring all these addicts and alcoholics that I know that have changed their lives and. I'm going to show the world that we aren't these bad people. You know, I'm not the guy on the the sitting by the 7-Eleven with the brown paper bag or or I'm the guy with this needle stuck in my arm constantly, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then I started thinking about it like, no, I, I want to be, you know, like my recovery has been diverse. Right. And what I mean by that, I have met so many different people that, you know, I turned 18 years sober on Monday of last week. And you know what I mean? And, and, and I said, when I look at it, right, I think about and I'm not really religious or anything, but I think about the Bible and how Jesus like mingled with everybody like he didn't care. And if you were the lowest of the low, that's guess who he was going to hang out with. You know, like I'm going to show people this is how we treat each other. Right. By hanging out with like the prostitutes, the, the lepers and, you know, whatever the case may be. And I, I really love that. Right. So I thought to myself, oh, well, how am I going to bring this? How am I going to touch the people I want to touch? So I made it. So basically what my my platform is, is how did people overcome their challenges and become successful? Right. Yeah. So like in your case, it, it, it is like, OK, you had some issues like. I've, I've had similar. Right. Or, but like you said, you, your dad comes out and he tells you, son, I'm gay. But, you know, you were kind of shaped, right? If you think about it in our day in, in high school and in college, right? Like you got to be the football stud, right? You got to know where the kegger parties are on the weekends or whatever the yep. case may be, right? Yep. And that's something we didn't talk about, right? And at least yeah. my dad generation, right? The older generation was, we don't talk about that stuff. Like anything that, that makes you look bad or the family look bad or something crazy like that. You get what I'm saying? It's like. We, we don't mm -hmm. talk about that stuff. So I was like, I'm going to start asking people these questions and I don't care where they come from because I want the world to know that there's these beautiful people out there like yourself that have overcome challenges, whether it's personal, whether it's in business, whether whatever the case may be. And this is how they're trying to bring the world together, right? Because 
I base it on my recovery. A lot of it, like I could not have stayed sober if I didn't have that support and love of many people. Right. Because I tried it on my own. Where did it end up? I ended up on the streets. I ended up almost going to prison, right. Trying to do it myself. And in California, we know the prison systems all run on race, right? It's all, you got to either you run with this race. If you're this, you run with this race, if you're that blah, 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 blah. So it's been an interesting journey to to meet people like yourself that are going, well, we got to change this. Like you said, like there was a friend of mine that said something like he talks when he works about with his clients, he always says, I try to figure out what their narrations are. Where do they get this stuff that they tell themselves, right? So tell me more like this mission. Once you figured out like, okay, I graduated college. I was okay with my dad being gay, right? Because he's your dad, period. And like, now I got to change who I am as a person, right? Because that's what I love my audience to see my guests do that, where they have come from, right? The challenges they've overcome and where they're headed to help, like you said, make this a better world to live in, right? Because that looks like, yeah. and it sounds like that's what you and I want to do. Yeah, no, I mean, Max, I love the way you frame it. And this is why I was interested in coming on because I, you know, I don't have a background uh, with addiction. I don't, you know, I haven't, I haven't experienced that. So I don't want to by any means make false equivalencies. It's it's the same thing. It's, it's not. And it's also as a white guy kind of coming over the challenge of being this living this myth of white supremacy so i wasn't i wouldn't say i was you know a quote-unquote racist i never used the n-word i didn't you know i didn't do that kind of stuff but i lived in this world of just whiteness and i had no problem with it so it's like this comfort like yeah this is just you know quote-unquote normal right and so when i think about you know i love how you know you're saying your friend these like narrations these narratives these stories when i think about um you know, my story that I was telling myself for 20 years and then even longer because it, you know, it takes years to unpack it and revisit it and explore it and, and change it, right? That I was, I was living this, this false narrative. It was a false narrative about who I was, who I could be, who I thought I could be, who I wanted to be. And it took this, it took my dad dying, you know, unfortunately for me to kind of wake up and go, no, 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 I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy anymore, as I said earlier. And I think when I work with other people around, uh, you know, when I'm coaching white leaders in organizations, when I'm facilitating conversations with white folks around race, there's a lot of defensiveness. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of ignorance, right? There's a lot of this, you know, hey, I don't know how to, why should I, why should I care about this? So it's kind of like people know they're supposed to talk about it, but they don't really want to or don't know how to. But it comes back to your point, to what your friend was saying, like, what's your narrative? What's your individual narrative about who you've been, who you are and who you want to become? And what are those obstacles, whether they're emotional, psychological, uh, cultural, um, family? You know, there's all this stuff that we put in our minds that just aren't true. And so I do take I mean, when I do my coaching, I'm not a, a therapist. Um, but I do kind of see it as almost like a therapy session. Like when you start, when I start really asking people's question, like, you know, what are you losing by insulating yourself? What are you losing by, by limiting your worldview? And people haven't really thought of it like that, right? Because we live in this, this world of privilege and like, yeah, it's just normal and I'm cool and this is what I do. And it's like, wait a second, there's all this other stuff I don't even know about. And so I help people, um, elevate their awareness, but also around um, this myth of like, that we're on a level playing field. 
or that there's a meritocracy, right? right? And so it's not about, hey, go out and befriend a bunch of black people and tokenize them. And, you know, it's like, no, that's not what we're talking about. But right. It's about recognize what is each one of us, especially white folks, what are we doing or not doing? <coughs> Excuse me. To perpetuate inequity, to perpetuate the divide, to perpetuate this uh, um, segregation, kind of self-segregation. So when I think of, I would, as I said, I would never compare my these challenges to that of an addict or that of a person, you know, black person or another person of color who, who has to deal with racism every day. But in in some ways, they're similar about how do we come over, get over our demons, right? Absolutely. And, and I know I know that's a thing in the you know in the addiction world, right? How do we really adopt um, new principles, new values that that are um, foundational and non-negotiable. Exactly. Right. And I've learned that in my recovery, like, you know, I mean, there is a lot of similarities, right? It's the process. We have to trust the process, you know, mm -hmm. that for me was whatever, like for me, it was AA and learning the 12 steps, learning those principles, right. So that I could see past people's whatever color, you know, beliefs, right. Because when I thought about it, when these people, especially like my mentor, I told you about that just passed away of COVID, right? I learned from him just how to treat people equally. He didn't see me as, you know, an addict that I'm going to try to help become an entrepreneur and a business owner. If you know what I mean, mm -hmm. he looked at me as a human being that wants to do better and has a message to bring to the world. That's how we, you know, and some of my best, greatest mentors were like that. They were like, dude, I did. I don't, I just, I see Max. That's all they would tell me, you know? And and, uh, you know, even some of mine in, in the program, right, early on that taught me some valuable lessons are some of my greatest teachers. And it didn't matter what color they were. You know what I mean? It was like I finally something changed in me like yourself where it was like, OK, God's putting this person in my life for a reason. I need to pay attention. Stop being dumb, Max. You know what I mean? Stop all this stuff you think in your head and and look where it's led. Like I'm having this great conversation with yourself, Jared. And, and, you know, yeah. and, and, and cause our, our mission is the same. It might be a different route, but we are trying to bring, bring people together to say, Hey, look, we're just the human race trying to get along with each other. Right. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like it's, I mean, well, you, you can see the news, you can see all the crap that's going on, but you know, I love meeting new people. I don't care where yeah. you come from. You know what I mean? It's like, because I look at it this way, like my sponsor, my mentors, my coaches always say, pay attention to the person that's in front of you because there's some lesson that you may have to learn from them. Mm -hmm. Right. And, or there's something you may have to teach them. That's why they're in front of you. But they never said if they're yellow, if they're pink, <laughs> you know what I mean? You walk away, right? They're always, and, right. and that's what I love about this journey I'm on. Like I'm getting to meet some amazing people and, and how they're overcoming these challenges to make this place a better, you know, this earth, a better place to live. Um, so totally. in this process, like say writing your book, like, I, it's cool to be amongst a fellow author, you know, your book's yeah. coming out in November. 
you know, I already had done my research. You know what I mean? Like I lived it for years. And uh, that's why when my, I always tell like some people, I go, dude, I don't know, how am I going to be a coach? Do I need to get a certification there? Like my friend will say, Max, you got 18 years of being in the trenches, man. Yeah. Just go out there and be your best. There's your certification. <laughs> <laughs> so how did this like, I mean, you kind of gave the audience like when you're, you were in college, right? Your dad passed away. Like what was that aha moment where you said, I'm changing. As I was told, Max, you got one thing to change and that's everything. And I was like, ah, thanks a lot. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I mean, I could, I love just listening to your stories and your, your thinking, Max, because it's, it's really fascinating. Um, so there's several moments. Cause I don't think there's just one for me. There's several, um, you know, dad telling me he's gay, obviously, uh, telling my friend Amy that I had a gay dad and her saying big fucking deal, you know, so age 14, age 20, age 27, dad dying. And then there are other little moments, some of which I share in the book that of realization that I didn't maybe know then, but I know now when you look back, right? Like, but I'd say more recently, like the moment kind of vis-a-vis like this book and how this book came to be, um, it was about two years ago, it was fall of 2019. And I was doing some contract work and my contract ended. It was like an 18 month contract. It was pretty stable and a good job. And and then it, it ended, the company split, so I got laid off and, you know, it was, it was, you know, whatever it happened. And I said, okay, what do I want to do? I said, you know, I think I want to get a job. I'd been doing kind of the entrepreneurial thing for about four years at that time. And I said, I kind of miss having a job, like a steady paycheck, a, you know, a team collaborating, building things. And so I said, okay, well, I got to put my resume together. Oh, shit, I haven't put my resume together for eight years. So I hired this resume coach and he was great. And he kind of, he, um, he he uh, gave me a bunch of stuff, not only with the resume, but some career advice. And I remember at the end of our, or the beginning of our first session, he said, we meet in this cafe and he said, hey, just tell me about yourself. So I'm blah, blah, blah. I'm going on about social justice and this, and I'm a white guy and this, and, and my dad and, and all in racism. And, this. and he's like, so he's taking notes, right? And, you know, page or two of notes. And he stops me after about 20 minutes. He's like, whoa, 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 hold on a sec. He's like, Jared, you... In the first 20 minutes that we've been talking or that you've been talking, you've said, I'm a white guy who gets it like five times. How come I don't see that in your resume, on your LinkedIn profile? I said, oh, I don't know. It's kind of, and I was like, blah, blah, kind of, you know, hemming and hawing. He's like, that's what you lead with. That's who you are. That's what you do. You are a white guy who cares about racism and the way it impacts people and communities and equity and justice and yeah and i can tell you know what you're talking about you can talk about it you care about it you have taught it as a teacher all these things you need to lead with that so he started shaping me like kind of fine-tuning like any good coach just tells you what you already know right Right. Mm -hmm. so he just kind of was fine-tuning and so we we put this on my resume so anyway we shave up my resume the fourth session four out of four sessions about a month maybe six weeks later Resume set. He's given me this whole game plan about how I'm going to reach out, blah, 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 and apply. He said, one last thing, you know, we just positioned you as this kick-ass white guy doing social justice work and, and stuff. And, you know, and you're a storyteller and you're a writer and your communications and all this stuff. But how come I don't see you writing anything on LinkedIn? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just kind of been lazy. He's like, you got something to say? I said, yeah. He's like, open up your laptop right now and write a post. So I open up my laptop. I write a post. 
I, I, set, I put post, I hit publish, he goes and comments because he's got like 200,000 followers. It gets, you know, it doesn't blow up or anything, but it gets some attention. He said, I want you to write something every day until you get a job. I'm like, okay, done. So that was December 18th, 2019. So I started writing every day into 2020. This was before COVID. This is before George Floyd was murdered, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, right? So I started writing about all this stuff because I knew... I knew what I was talking about. Did I mess up? Yeah. Did I make mistakes? Yeah. Did I uh, inadvertently offend people? And yeah, of course. But I was kind of, I was putting myself out there. And then all the shit that was 2020 started happening. And in a way, I was a little bit ahead of it. And so I was able to respond as stuff was unfolding in a way that was genuinely not just performative, not just reactive. It was like, no. I, this is this is why we do this stuff because we can't predict that this kind of stuff is going to happen and so i don't know you know when you talk about one moment i think it was that moment of december 18th 2019 when he's like dude start writing so that was where the book kind of and, and all this this story is in the beginning of of the book um right so that was how the book actually came together you know fast forward a year and people are like dude you gotta write a book write a book you have so much good stuff so I start to, I'm like, okay, let me see what I got. And I organized it, I edited it, I wrote some introductions, and boom, you know, boom. I got a book. Got yeah. a book coming out November 15th. So everybody November pay 15th. attention. That's right. Because when this episode comes out, I will be putting the link here. Um, yeah. yeah, that's, I have to agree. I mean, like mine, a little different, right? I did have those like boom moment, like, mm -hmm. Right. But I've had mine have been educational ones, like moments over time where I've learned, like, because I've had someone say the same thing to me. Like, I hear you say slow or, yeah, it's going to happen when and, you know, how, it's how we talk to ourselves. Right. And mm -hmm. if I'm going to coach someone or change the world, I have to do it as I'm as it's happening now. And I've learned from some really people. They, I'd be doing this interview with them and they'd go, Max, 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 stop, stop. I just heard you say this, like the same thing 10 times. And I'm like, man, now I'm going to be self-conscious and see what I talk about, you know, blah, blah, blah. But they were right. Like I would always say the same thing. And it was like these, as I talked about my friend, when he talks to his clients, right? These narratives I was telling myself, right? And how, like yourself, we, we came to a point where we changed. We said, we're going to do things different. So, yeah. you know, yeah. and it doesn't happen overnight. I get it. You know, I'm, I'm a work in progress, but I'm focused on bringing these people like yourself together so that we can change the world. Right. So that they can yeah. see the, how cool the human, human race is, right. That we got to stop putting labels on people um, and ourselves, you know, cause I know I get guilty. Yeah. You know, I go to a meeting and I say, I'm an alcoholic, right. But that's because it reminds me of where I came from. So I never have to go back. But do I say speak or talk to certain people and always lead with that? Absolutely not. Right. Like some people might look at me and go, you're a little, you're a little crazy. <laughs> All right. We don't need to know that. Right. But, um, but sometimes that's what we need to do to start some conversations, right. To get people thinking about what they're saying to people or what they're mm -hmm. saying to themselves. And, you know, when I wrote the book, my book, excuse me. I hope I don't sneeze real quick because I get really loud. Oh, cool. 
Um, <laughs> I wanted to write it in a form that anybody could understand what I was talking about. Right. Like I wasn't, I didn't want to come off as another alcoholic, another addict trying to preach recovery. Here we go. No, I wanted to share my story and that, that these principles that I learned, anybody could use. So I put it into my language. Right. And in the course of doing that, I've met some really cool people because like yourself, some, you know, I had these, well, the, gentleman i told you about his name was lonnie and then his business partner chris i've known those two guys for 10 years right so i'm still friends with chris we we run in the same networks right i've only met him once in the 10 years in person <laughs> but he's always the one kicking my butt going look you're not and i think it kind of relates to what we're talking about right like if i keep saying I'm an addict or I'm an alcoholic or I'm a recovering addict. I'm a recovering alcoholic, right? People are going to look at me and there goes Max. Here comes the recovering alcoholic, right? I just want to be known as Max Naist, the fearless happiness ninja, which my friend, you know, if you could see behind me, uh, yeah. coin me, right? Because <laughs> I've learned so much from so many different people and um, getting to meet you and talk about your book on you know, I, I got to be honest, like I, I smiled when Sam sent me over the thing and, and she said, hey, dude, Jared, cool dude. He's a white guy talking about racism. I didn't have to finish reading. I'm like, sign him up. Let's do this. <laughs> right. Because yeah. I think those are the conversations we need to have. Uh, right. And I've had family members. I'm not going to name them, but I had an aunt who was really bad. Like she would just say the and she's darker than I am. You know what I mean? And she would say some of the craziest as a little mm -hmm. kid. I would just always ask my mom, like, what's wrong with her? Like, why is she yeah. like that? And my mom yeah. would go, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Right. But, um, you know, I, I love this journey of, of getting to meet people from all different walks of life, all different backgrounds. Right. Because. It's kind of like America in the old days, right? When we became the United States of America, right? We are a melting pot, right? This world is a melting pot, whether people want to believe it or not. Don't you think that we need to get along, right? If we want to keep this planet going the way we think it should go, right? Um, yeah. Right? I, I, I'm i not a big politician. I just not. But I just what I see in the world, what I see what's happening, and I'm just going like, Right. But I, I do believe in the ones that say, hey, it's your time to stand up and stand for what you believe in and don't let people try to tell you what you need to do and how to do it. Right. Because I'm all about the Constitution of the United States and what it stands for. It's why I served. Right. So I could live a free man and, and raise my family the way I feel we should and or I should and and then let people do the same. Right. And um, kind of likened it to this lady. I, and then I'll get back to uh, what we're talking about. But this, this, this older lady, right? This older couple that lived down the hill and to the right of me, 80 years old. She's always walking. And it's a good size hill, right? And then every time I go down to visit him, her husband is always working in the yard. And I always say, John, you're a better man than me. I'm 53 and I hate working in my yard. But every time I see you, you make me have to go back and want to go work in my yard. <laughs> right? But I... They didn't know me from a hole in the wall until I introduced myself. And now the lady gives me a hug. And it was funny. She was asking me questions and she's not an alcoholic or anything, or I don't know what brought it up, but she brought out the big book and she says, you know, I've read this book. 
And she goes, I'm so happy you're sober, you know, and she gives me this big old hug. And, and this is a person who barely met me, you know what I mean? And this is when I'm like, okay, this means this is my sign from God that I'm on the right path. Cause instead of arguing with people, I'm hugging my neighbor, you know, that I barely know. And she's getting to know me. I'm getting to know her. And now I'm on a podcast with Jared, you know, and he's telling me his story. Like life to me doesn't get any better than that. So, you know, tell the audience a little bit more like where you hope your journey takes you, you know, I mean, right. Cause I think, I know for me being a father and a grandfather, I want to leave a legacy for generations, right? Like, mm-hmm. Hey, my great grandfather did this. This is how cool he is. Right. And I'm sure you want to do the same. So let the audience know, like kind of stuff like that. That what yeah. means what it means to you to do that? Well, t- so many good points, Max. And you know, I'm a dad too. I've got twelve year old twins, uh, oh. seventh graders. So you know, just enough said about middle school. You know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that is a big driving point for me because I think, okay, what was I like when I was their age? I had you know, my parents were divorced. I didn't know my dad was gay. You know, I'm seventh grade and I'm playing soccer, and you know, it was, it was fine. You know, it was an okay life. But, uh, you know, how can I, which I, which I have been doing, I hope, um, uh, educating them, raising them in a way that, uh, that they kind of have a, maybe a head, a, a much longer head start than I had around kind of coming to where I am now, right? But you said, you know, a few things that really resonate with me, you know, just the name of this podcast, Fearless Happiness. And so I think of this work, again, I don't want to compare it to what it's like to overcome addiction or what it's like to f- deal with racism every day because they're not the same as what I do. But there is a certain courage to get to this point where, wait a second, I'm a white guy. I've lived in privilege. I've had opportunity and access and agency my whole life. Yes, I've struggled. Yes, I grew up poor. Yes, I had a gay dad. Yes, all these things, but not systemically. And so for me, the fearlessness is like, you know what? Screw that. That's not right. I'm not okay with that, even if I benefit from it. And so that's what I'm constantly trying to to do. And the happiness part is, okay, well, why does that make you happy? Like, yeah, it actually does. Because I know I have conviction. I'm fighting for what I know is the right thing to do because I've seen what happens and what continues to happen and what will continue to happen if people like me, you know, other white folks don't step up and really drive the conversation, drive the change, um, you know, have that fearlessness um, that does lead to happiness. Maybe it's not happiness like, oh, happiness, I'm sitting in a jacuzzi with a beer and smoking a cigar, but (laughs) happiness like, hey, I'm leaving a positive impact on the world. And, you know, throughout the book, there are four kind of main themes, or I call them lenses, these interconnected lenses through which I see the world. And some of them we've been talking about, right? There's storytelling. What is your story? What is the other person's story? What is our story together? Are we perpetuating narratives that promote equity? Or are we perpetuating perpetuating narratives that uphold the status quo, right? It's usually one or the other, right? right. And so we have to really ask ourselves. Um, emotional intelligence. You know, we're talking about connection. We're talking about relationships, awareness, vulnerability, empathy. You know, are we able to sit in conversations with people and really get to know each other? Um, most of us, well, I don't know what the numbers are, but a lot of us can't or don't regularly or can only do it with certain people. So that's two. Right. A third part, which we haven't really touched on, 
Um, and I don't really consider myself a religious person or really a spiritual person either, but there's a certain spirituality. I center mindfulness, meditation, so that I can be when when the shit gets rough, whether it's a, a daily thing or just o general overwhelm, I can still be present. I can still be um, aware and be able to do what I know I need to be able to do. So those are three. The foundational one for all of this, though, which I think is key for white people to confront racism is a social justice lens. We have to understand and have a, a basic level fluency of historical inequity, right? And so it's not only just like, oh yeah, there used to be slavery and now there isn't. Right. It's, it's deeper than that. It's more nuanced than that. There are other mm -hmm. attitudes and laws and regulations that we have to have an understanding because if we don't, then all this other stuff around stories and uh, EQ and mindfulness, it's not going to get us to see the change where more people live in, in with greater access and opportunities and more equitable lives. So those four things, social justice, emotional intelligence, mindfulness, and storytelling are key to my journey to uh, confront racism and that I'm trying to offer. Because the subtitle of the book is an invitation to reflect and act. So I'm inviting people, hey, this is what's worked for me. I invite you to consider if it'll work for you. Absolutely. And it's kind of like what I do as a substance abuse counselor, right? So I invite my clients to say, here's recovery. This is what it looks like. You know what I mean? So I invite you to sit, listen, and learn, and then participate in, in that recovery, right? And then because you get when you participate, that's when you get to say, okay, I did this. That didn't work. So I'm leaving that, right? Kind of like what we're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. Unless we have those tough conversations with each other and I don't care who it is right to be able to have I used to not I used to be that guy I would you couldn't ask me anything because I'd be like uh I don't want to talk about it <laughs> you know or <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about right um and I believe everything happens for a reason right there's a reason I got my degree later I got my degree at 48 years old and you know things happen in your life and and now it's, yeah, of course, I'm human, right? You ask me a really tough question and I don't have your answer. Or, you know, part of me where you talk about that emotional intelligence, right? Because mm -hmm. I heard some guys share one time, long time ago when I first saw, yeah, I was an emotional midget. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're talking about me now. Like, stop. You know what I mean, like I had to really learn how to be vulnerable, right? To mm -hmm. tell myself it was okay to ask for help or okay to say, Hey, Jared, I don't understand what you're talking about. Can you please explain that? Exactly. Right? Exactly. And, um, and not be afraid to look like, well, I would tell, I don't want to look dumb. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But then I also learned, thank God I had really strong mentors. Cause one thing I learned was I couldn't save my face and my ass at the same time. <laughs> right. So I, yeah. I learned that I needed to save my ass. So in order for me to have these conversations with like individuals like yourself, I had to learn to be okay with going, God, I don't know that. Wow. I really realize I don't know that much and I need to get off my butt and start paying attention to what's going on around me so I can have, exactly. you know, exactly. have that conversation. Right. So like, this is, you know, been an amazing, amazing episode. So thank you. Thank you so much for, for coming on, but you know, you said it earlier, so I'm going to ask you, First question that I asked my my uh, guests before we part, 
um, my book called Fearless Happiness, right? Uh, what does fearless mean to you and how does that show up for you? Right? Like, I love the answers because I, in, in a broad sense, a lot of them are the same, but they're different. So let the audience know what, what fearless means for you. Uh, I love these types of questions, Max. So fearless to me means standing in my conviction, in my values and principles and absorbing uh criticism absorbing ridicule absorbing um trolling right absorbing any of this where people going like why why do you care why why white dude do you care so much about racism hey that's i don't you can if you're genuinely interested let's have a conversation but if you're just trying to if you're just trying to mock me or belittle me or then that's your that's your gig so i think the fearlessness comes in like i know enough what I'm talking about and what I believe in doesn't mean I'm perfect. Doesn't mean I have a shit ton to learn, which I do. And I, and I learn every day. Um, and I make mistakes every day, but having that conviction where, you know what, I'm not worried if, if you don't like me, I'm not worried if, if, you know, I lost a good friend a couple years ago, 35 years friendship. Cause we just, we, we couldn't keep getting along. So it's like, all right, you know, that sucks. And, you know, Max, I don't, I don't really miss him. I don't really miss that. It just, it was time to end it. So I think right. fearlessness, especially in this anti-racism conversation for white people is what do you, what are we willing to give up? Right. Absolutely. And really taking a hard look about what's really important to you. And for me, having, being friends with white people, just cause we've always been friends, you know, no thanks. Right. Exactly. And it's, and that's see being a father like yourself and being a grandfather, right? Like I don't ever want to contradict myself. Like I don't ever want my kids or my grandkids to see me do something where they go, well, wow, we heard you on your podcast talk about this, but you're like way opposite grandpa. Like what's that about? Right. I have to lead by example and, and same here. You know, I've, I've lost friends, you know, I get sober of course, they, they don't want to change and they still are, are, even if they did get sober there, some of their views have stayed the same. And that just, that's your deal. That's fine. Um, but that doesn't work for me. Right. So I want to hang out with the people that are always evolving and changing. Right. So that we can make this world a better place and fearless. You said it perfect. Right. And it's, and you don't hear that very often. At least I didn't early people that stand in their conviction right? Stand for what they believe in, their values, their principles, right? Well, at least the media shows like people are going so many different ways. And it's like, I have to throw my hands up and go, you know what, I'm going to stick to my guests because they're true. They're real. They're authentic. They tell me exactly how they feel. And that's it, right? I Mm -hmm. could love them or I could leave them, right? And God has blessed me with some amazing guests like yourself. So that leads me into the second question. Uh, I put a why in the happiness and I did that for a reason. Um, so how does happiness, excuse me, how does happiness show up for you? And what does that mean? Knowing I put the why in happiness, what does that mean for you? Gosh, there's so many different directions to go with this, Max, but I think I'll keep it kind of, relevant to to the work and why I do this work happiness and it's going to sound cliche or, or almost trite but it's knowing that 
the effort that I've put in, uh, whether it's to educate someone, whether it's to facilitate a conversation, whether it's to help someone understand how they could be do better and be better, and seeing the impact on other people, not as a savior, not as a, a you know philanthropy or a charitable cause, but because I have used my power, my privilege, my influence, my humanity to help someone else in whatever context, whatever circumstances, have a little bit better uh, situation. So that makes me happy. And actually, now that I've said that, that applies to anything, right? My kids, my partner, my friends, right? How can what I offer in any given context relationship improve the situation for the other person or the other group, which then improves for me? So instead of this uh, black or white or either or, it's this both and, it's kind of expandable pie, right? The pie just keeps growing and there's there's enough pie for each of us, you know, uh, to Absolutely. keep eating. Exactly. Let's yeah. share. Let's break bread, as they say. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I'll break bread with anybody who's willing, you know, who are, is on the same path as I am. And what I mean by that is trying to make this world a better place like yourself. So I, this has been a great conversation. I know we could keep going for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> um, but I, I thank you for coming on and enlightening me and, and teaching me some new things and, um, you know, because you and I are the guys that I hate to say, along with other people that I know, but we are the guys that people are going to look to like, what's Jerry doing over there? Oh yeah. He wrote this book. Let's see what he has to say. Right. Oh yeah. Max is over here. He's, he's bringing people together to talk about how we can be a better human race. Right. We get to live, we get to be that living example for our children. Right. Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's, you know, it's, it just made me really think about this conversation we just had. And what I, I like to say, a lot of my friends call me the get to guy because they're a long story, but I was doing this exercise stuff, this program, this mental toughness challenge, right. And I'd be out there and my legs would go numb. It was before my back surgery and I'd be tripping over myself. And I tell people like, man, I get to do this. And and it was funny, this network that I'm a part of, I, I finally got to meet live and in person. They're like, hey, Max, you're the get to guy. I go, yeah, right. That's why we get to be <laughs> we get to be on this podcast together. We get to be nice to each other. We get to hear what you know, what you think, Jared, is going to help change this perspective on racism. Right. Which my hat's off to you. That's awesome. Right. Because like you said, you you just took you had the fearlessness and the, the happiness to go do it right where there's a lot of people I, you know, and we, I'm sure I, I'm, I can tell you, I, in the past was guilty of going, I'll do that later. Right. Or one day I'll do that. Like, so now I have the honor of sitting across from a fellow author who's actually going to do it. So, you know, we know what fearless looks like for you. We know what happiness, right. And that's the reason I put the why in there, right? Because happiness, if you think about it, you, right. It starts with me. It starts with you. Like I can't make Jared happy. He can't make me happy. You know, even my wife, you know, as awesome as she is, really, if I think about it, it the happiness comes from within, right? Which is cool that we get to have this conversation because they're going to see our insights come out. So how we're trying to change the world. So I appreciate you coming on and being a guest. Um, what I like to do, too, is 
let the people know if they need want to work with you, Jared, or I know your book's coming out November 15th. Um, and when I release this episode, I'll put the link in there, but um, let them know how they can work with you, how they could, you know, get your book or where's your yeah. book going to be placed on when you, when it comes out. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you, Max, for, for having me on. I've really enjoyed this conversation. So if you go to www.awhiteguyconfrontingracism, uh, 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 the title of the book, .com, uh, you'll be able to see a pre-order link. And then once it is released uh, on November 15th, then you'll be able to buy the book straight from there. Um, you'll be able to order it you know, from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the, all the kind of places, um, uh, bookshop.org. Um, and I live in the Bay Area, so I'm going to be shopping it around to lots of different uh, local bookstores. Um, so if you happen to be in the Bay Area, hopefully by this fall, uh, you'll see it. You can also, um, and these two sites will be kind of interlinked and interwoven, but my personal site uh, is Jared Carroll's. That's J-A-R-E-D-K-A-R-O-L.com. There'll be links to the book there as well. But you can uh, learn about my services of speaking, uh, uh, facilitating conversations, especially with white folks, with white affinity groups, um, and coaching. I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching for senior leaders, aspiring change agents, people who, you know, know they should be doing something. They just need like a one-on-one -on -one person, you know, to just sit with them and, and help them on their journey, inspire them, challenge them, support them, uh, help them understand how they can really make the most impact. So that's all at uh, jaredcarroll.com. And um, yeah, again, I really appreciate the opportunity here, Max. I really enjoyed the conversation. Awesome. One final thing. You don't get off that easy. <laughs> Give our audience your final thoughts. Racism is more than just being nice. Racism is a centuries-old system of oppression that we all perpetuate in subtle and sometimes not so subtle ways. So I, I encourage you, I, I implore you to elevate your awareness, to increase your fluency and be willing to reflect and understand how each of us might be unwittingly perpetuating racism and then what can we do to change our habits, our mindsets, our behaviors, so that we are actually confronting it and working towards ending it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jared, for coming and being a guest on my podcast. Probably going to bring you back later on and have you uh, on again. Um, this was awesome conversation. Thank you so much. Everybody, again, listen, Jared's book's coming out November 15th. I'll be getting it. I hope you all will be getting it. And again, Jared, thank you for coming on and being a guest. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you.